This is Iron Sports, 95.9, 9, 106.9 uh, in West Palm Beach. We have Sammy Coates, uh, former NFL and, and going to be soon, hopefully again, NFL football wide receiver and superstar out at Auburn. Uh, Sammy, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Thanks for having me. So, <laughs> Sammy, we could just jump right to maybe the Steeler game yesterday. I mean, you know, here you are. You're, you know, had a great, you know, couple years with the Steelers. Uh, seemed to have some trouble catching some balls last night. And we were talking earlier that you think that it's just maybe a slump situation with the team. You know, once you put mentally put that in your head, as you drop one, then it come two, then it come three. Now it's all mental. Is it's nothing else but mental, and it's a slump now. Now you got to break that bad habit. And once one guy dropped, once contagious, now you got two drops. Now you got three t drops. This is how sports works. Until you get back, get your groove back, you'll always be down on yourself. Wow. So you grew up in Leroy, Alabama. It's a population of nine, 911. <laughs> but I saw there were like two, and two major league baseball players went there, like another yeah. NFL player. Amazingly athletic yeah. town for 911 people. You know, it's a small area, you know, but you know everybody. Everybody in the town know everybody. Um, the guy you're talking about to play baseball is Philip Irvin. Um, we played together in high school. He was my quarterback, actually, in high school before he left. Um, he's a great player. Still plays now. I think Manuel King went to Alabama. He went to the NFL for a while. It's about three or four of us that came out, but it's rare. Wow. You know? So it's like when me and Philip came out, before that was like 20 years. <laughs> so it's like we kind of changed the culture there. You know, it's, it's a big – football place football and baseball so that's all you got is sports there you ain't got much others to do you ain't got a lot of a lot of restaurants and not like stuff like that it's all just sports did you play friday nights or is it saturdays friday so friday nights must have been huge in that town for football, uh, football you go to one of the high school football games you think you had a college game <laughs> so i had looked on the map and i said well you went to auburn but how close were you to alabama but it looks like you were like two and a half hours to auburn and three to tuscaloosa i wasn't sure exactly but it looks like it's to Tuscaloosa, I think it was three and a half. To Auburn, it's three. It's like one this way, the other one this way. So why'd you choose to go to Auburn over Alabama? Um, Alabama never offered me. They wanted me to come to a camp like I did to get my Auburn offer. And I was like, I just don't want to go to another camp. I, I want to go through that hassle again. And it was a lot. So I was like, you know, I'm going to commit to Auburn. Uh, I visited. I liked the campus. I loved the games. I loved the atmosphere. So I was like, I'm done. I don't want to keep trying. Did you go to were you were, Did you think of any other school? Um, I actually went to the year when Julio was at Alabama with the every last home game at, in Tuscaloosa. Wow. Yep. But they never fully offered me. They, uh, they'll, they'll tell me they want to offer me, want me to come up and visit. They want me to come to a camp. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So that was Gus Malzahn, who we, in the big in the news right now, who was let go by Auburn. Was he recruiting you or was that another who, who recruited so, you? Malzahn was the offensive coordinator at the time. Gene Chizik was the head coach. Um, Malzahn used to come watch me play basketball. <laughs> so Malzahn and Trooper Taylor was my recruiting people, and they used to come watch me play basketball and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um, they really sold it for me, Troop, and Malzahn did a great job, you know, with my family and just with, with the whole situation. So it was, it was kind of a no-brainer. Wow. So your sophomore year, your team goes 12-2. and two. You had 42 catches, 902 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, you look at the teams you beat. You beat A&M, who was ranked seventh at the time, Georgia 25th. You beat Bama, who was first at the time, and, and you beat Missouri in the SEC title game. So you won the SEC title everything, and you play in the BCS game against Florida State. Talk about that year, being on a team that is playing every weekend. You're playing on 3.30 on CBS, big games. You know, that season was something that I don't think Auburn ever see again. That year, we played like three or four teams in the top ten at the time, and every game was bigger than the next one. It was like, oh, man, we, we don't have time to relax. You know, we went from Texas A&M, we had to play LSU. 
we lost to LSU that year. So after LSU beat us, we was like, oh man, I don't know what we're gonna do now. We thinking like, oh we out of it, we out of it. Then we beat Texas A&M and Texas A&M, that sparked something for us. It's just like after that, it was like, we can do this. Then we just went on the road beating everybody. And then the championship game was in the Rose Bowl, and I was there. I went to that game. I sat next to, behind Charles Barkley, and he was, I mean, he'd be excited to have, hear you on this show. But I sat right behind him, and he was the greatest. I mean, I talk about, I mean, Barkley was talking to every fan, wasn't like in some skybox yeah. or whatever. It was so much fun. But that was a crazy game because I always say they brought the boxes out for, like, the hats, the championship hats to uh, Florida State, and then they brought them back. They brought them back to Auburn and brought them back. You could see the same guy walking back and forth with all the hats, and finally, you, you guys just barely lose that game. Man, that was a crazy game. It was one of those things that when they say football is a game of inches, inches, it really is. You know, a, a block punt, um, a, fake, a fake punt goes for a first down, um, a kickoff return goes for a touchdown. Two plays that we make those stops, we win the game by two touchdowns. Wow. It's like, it's like, that's how football works. It's just two plays, special team plays that change the whole game. Yeah, and it must have been so exciting. You know, that's when the BCS started. There wasn't the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. It must have been so exciting. He had four catches, 61 yards in a game. Just playing the national stage like that, finally, that just been so exciting. You know, it was, at first I was a little a skeptical because I was getting double team. You know, I wasn't really getting balls, but every time it was like a big third down, I get the ball, and it was like, I want a touchdown. You know, being a selfish player, like any other guy that would be in a national game, but when I seen the other guys were doing really good, I was actually excited, and I was more motivated to make those big third down catches. <laughs> Who was covering you for Florida State that game, do you remember? Um, God, they had the guy that went in the first round, the DB, the year after that. He didn't leave that year. He left the next year. They had two good players. And they had both of them on my side. Oh, no. Yeah. So That's was, not fair. No, it was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> and then you come back your junior year. You had 34 catches, 741 yards, four touchdowns. You're a second team, all SEC. Uh, and you graduated that year, too. Yep. And uh, in the Iron Bowl, how about this? Against Alabama, five catches, 206 yards, mm -hmm. and two touchdowns. I mean, to catch, I mean, that's Devontae Smith type numbers. Yeah. Um, that year was, a lot of people know I, I tore my meniscus at the beginning of the season, and I had to wear a knee brace the whole year, an offensive line knee brace. So oh, that no. year was like something that kind of molded me into being a tough guy because I played through what I played through. But it came back and bit me in my butt when I went to the next level. You know, so that's the one thing about sports that a lot of people don't understand. It's like when you got guys banged up in college, they want to push through it, but eventually they'll come back and catch up to you. Oh, no. That's not <laughs> um, and then talk a little about Gus Malzahn. I mean, here's your coach. He's, he, he was just let go after eight years, uh, had a record of, uh, it was just 68 and 25, 39-27 in conference. He w went to the National Championship game we talked to, the Super Bowl and the Peach Bowl, uh, and he, was, he has three wins against Alabama. The entire SEC has three wins against Alabama. So, I mean, it's, and then they, and they let him go. And, and what's your, what was your relationship with him and those things? Um, Malzahn's a great, great person. You know, he always wanted you to be the best man, not to just be the best player. That's one thing I, I really took from him. Um, I still talk to him. I still text him all the time. Um, he's a phenomenal guy, phenomenal coach. You know, sometimes in football, it just that's how it is. That's the business of the world. You know, you got to win, 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 win in the SEC. If you ain't winning, it's like you ain't doing good enough. You know, so if you ain't winning championships, it's like, oh, the next guy got to try to win now. So it's Malzahn, he going to land on his feet and be a great coach somewhere. But other than that, he taught me a lot. He built me, molded me, and the man I am today. Well, he was noted when he was in high school and then he was an, an assistant as this genius offensive coordinator, the, the, the hurry-up offense. And with you, he had Nick Marshall with you as a quarterback. Just couldn't get that next quarterback then that felt that, you know, to run his offense the right way. You got to be able to do a lot with his offense. If you're not a quarterback that can be mobile and read really good, you won't do well in his offense. So that's why Nick Marshall did so well. He was able to pick up and learn, and he was so athletic. Like, 
Nick was probably one of the most athletic kids I've ever been played a sport with, and he can do things that certain guys can't do just at that level, and that's why he made the offense look so special. And the guys now, it's harder for them because I, I don't know. I think defense has changed from when we played it. Defense is starting to pick up on that kind of offense, you know. So it's the players now. The whole scheme changed on defenses from when we played. And now you got guys as fast as like your fast guys on defense, like your fast. Like it's, it's all about the scheme. And once the defense picked up on it's kind of hard. So now you got to find another way. Yeah, I noticed also when I go to all these games, it's you Antonio Brown when the Steelers run the hurry up offense. They, um, it's, it's as a wide receiver, you're, you're running down 30 yards down the field. Then if they don't throw it to you, you have to run back to the line because they're going to run the next play. They don't just go into a, to a, to a huddle. Yeah, that's one thing about being a receiver. You got to be in shape. You got to be able to run all day. You know, that's, that's probably one of the hardest things. That's why you have a lot of hamstrings and little, <laughs> little crazy screens because all you do is run, 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 run. You know, so it was, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of challenges, and it comes with a lot of cons. <laughs> so then you graduated, and then you went to the Combine, and, and we talk about the Combine on the show a lot. I've had some trainers on there, but uh, you did great at the Combine. You had, I think, the, the most uh, bench presses of any wide receiver there. And just talk about the whole experience of the Combine, the pro days, all that went into it. You know, the Combine, I'll say, is probably one of the most tiring things in the world because everything's on the schedule. It's really scraped out. You know, you got to talk with the coaches. You got to go sit in these meetings. You got to go do this. You got to do that. You got to go to the doctor's office. I went to the, I probably went to the hospital eight times for MRIs. So <laughs> it was, it's like a process. That, you weren't hurt. You just went because they wanted to see something. So the thing is, once you, like, so I had the tournament. This is in college. I never got it fixed. So every team that I went into, they wanted me to go get another MRI. I don't care if I already got one with another team. It's like, oh, you can go get another MRI. So then I, I go see another team doctor. Oh, we need to get an MRI. I just did three of them. It, it was just a whole exhausting thing. Then you had to wake up early for the 40, and your body's not ready. And it, it was a process. That combines a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, did you know you were going to get drafted by the Steelers? Did you have a good idea that was going to be, or it just happened? Um, to be honest, I, I visit Pittsburgh, and I visit a few more of the teams, um, but I didn't think they was going to drop me in the third round. I really thought I was going to go to the Patriots the next round, the fourth round. And I remember talking to Billy Belichick at the Pro Day. He was there at our Pro Day, and I did really good at Pro Day when it came to running routes and stuff. And that's what everybody kept saying, oh, yeah, he going to go to the Patriots fourth round, fourth round. And I got the phone call from Mike Tomlin in the third round. I was like, oh, this is, you know. But it was, it was a good good, good place to start off your career, and I learned a lot from Coach Tomlin. <laughs> so you, you show up at the Steelers, and Antonio Brown is clear number one, clear one, number one receiver, and then you were competing with Wheaton, Hayward Bay, and Martez Ryburn was suspended. So you were set at, you know, coming there as a rookie in a good position in terms of getting some action there. You know, that group we had was a solid group, and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, Marcus was really good. He was the one, He had some really big games down the stretch for us. Darius Hay Bay was a first-rounder. Um, Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown. You know, it, no, it's nobody in the NFL that works harder than that guy. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. Um, and that group, coming into the situation I came in with a veteran quarterback like Ben, it was kind of hard for me because – I'm coming in, I can't be slacking because I got somebody that's been doing this for 10-plus years as a quarterback, so he knows things too, you know. So it was it was one of those things I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous. I was like, I got to make Ben like me. That was one of the things, trying to get on the same page as Ben with a guy like that is so smart and just know the game inside out. And I'm a guy coming from not a pro-style offense. I came from more of a, a creative offense of a man that created it to his own liking. 
So I had a lot to catch up on. That was probably the hardest part about being in that situation. Well, did you like say, Ben, after practice, would you throw me the ball some? Or he, he sort of just went home. He didn't really want to do that. It ain't no thing like that with Ben. Ben, when Ben's done, he's done. <laughs> you gonna be throwing with the backup quarterback. <laughs> And uh, and what about your relationship with Antonio Brown? Like, how was that? Would you run roots with him? What was he? Was he you know showing you stuff? I'd or? say AB is one of the guys that give you the shirt off his back. He would teach you all the ropes, tell you what you're doing wrong, how you're doing it. That's one thing about him I did love as a teammate was that he didn't never feel like he was too good that he wouldn't work with you or didn't invite you to come do something with him. Wow. Yep. That's good. And then, I mean, you had it. was It was just super exciting to be there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was there at the time. They just... A great, a great set for the Steelers. Um, that year was like the year I think we lost to the Broncos. That was my rookie year. Yeah. And um, that year we should have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that team we had was it was more together than I think than most teams would I played with. And we just had too many injuries at the wrong time. AB got knocked out. Bell towards ACL against the Browns. It was like okay, now guys got to step up that haven't really been playing in this role. Now you got to try to create chemistry with these guys. They, you know, haven't been playing all year. I came in a Broncos game. I haven't played since week 10, you know, so it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year, what? and I remember that next year a lot because you you in the Bengals game, you had two, uh, you had a, 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 a two receptions, 97 yards, ran in a touchdown. And then the Jets game the following week, you had six catches, 139 yards. So you're really going on a pickup in fantasy. I think it's great. But then I heard that you broke your fingers. And I'm like, I just don't, how, you know, my mom goes, I go, oh, I'm starting next week in fantasy. And my mom goes, I don't think you can start a guy who has broken fingers in fantasy. <laughs> and you're playing the Dolphins. I go, we're coming to the Dolphins game because you were playing Steelers, yeah. playing the Dolphins. Like, I got to see him play. I watch warm ups, you're catching everything in warm ups. I go, I'm starting you. And then you didn't really, you know, that good. Game of that game. And that, after I broke my finger, um, it was like one of those mental things. I was like, I was always afraid of something else or something else going to happen. And the first six games, I was doing really good. I felt like I was that was a moment that I thought I was going to push and this is going to be my best year. It's going to be my spark in my career. And it ended up being one of the hardest years of my life. You know, um, after that season, I had three surgeries in the offseason. So it was like something after another, you know, and that mentally screwed me up for a while. Like mentally, once you get mentally screwed, it's hard to come back from it. And I think that year really did. It was up, up, and it was down, 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 down. Oh, no. That's <laughs> that's that's And that year was weird at the end of the season. The Steelers lost to the Patriots, 36-17. Mm-hmm. And then good, I thought that was the year that we had it all going with the, with the week. I'm saying the Steelers. I'm talking to a Steeler, Steeler here. That was the year that that it was probably going to be Super Bowl year, but uh, just didn't happen. Yeah, that I think my rookie year was the best chance I thought we should have won. You know, it came down to that game. We had that fumble. That was a big turnout. We driving, driving down. We had that fumble. That was big. And after that, it was like, oh man, now we got to try to figure something else out. (laughs) So and then. The Steelers trade you to the to the because they drafted Juju and they mm-hmm. decided to trade you to the Browns. So then you played in the Browns in 2017. You know that year was, you know I, I tell people all the time like once you get in a situation like that you mentally are defeated. You know um, they traded me the week we played the Steelers. You know they traded me to the Browns and I played. I had to I drove from Steelers to the Browns facility on Sunday and started practice Sunday and played the Steelers next Sunday. <laughs> So it was like, but you knew all the calls. I mean, sometimes teams don't do that because you would know all the plays. And at the time, Brown was going through a transition. Like nobody was like it was an all young players. Like I was considered a vet. That was my third year. (laughs) You know, like I'm like the oldest person in the wide receiver room besides Kenny Britt. You know, so it was like, oh crap, what am I? What what's going on? You know, and 
that's one of those things. You had is one of the things that taught you a lot, but it also brought you down a lot. And then after the game, you probably had to meet all the Steelers after the game. Play it, was, it was kind of funny, though. Right before I was on kickoff, and I knew all those guys, and they just all came to me and like trying to block me. It was like this is the funniest thing in the world. Like I can't believe I'm going against these guys I just got drafted with two years ago, three years ago. And it's one of those things, though. You, it's one thing about football that will build and mold you into a stronger person. And what and what about playing for Tomlin? I mean, there is he. Had, comes across as being a great players coach people love him but what was your uh, reaction oh yeah he's he's an honest man like he's he don't hold details from you what what's what they talking about you gonna know about it and, you know um they give you plenty of chance he'll tell you in front of the team what the situation is he's an honest guy he's a players coach he's the same person that you see talking on tv he's the same person in the locker room he's the same person talking to the team like he don't have two faces you know he's the same guy all the time wow and they uh the idea that Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, did you sense, I mean, people after the fact, they always say, did you sense any friction like that? Or was it, was it just, is it something people just talk about after the fact? To be honest, when I was there, you would not know anything was, was happening. Like, it was funny when I seen all that, because I was with the Browns, I think, then, or Houston. Houston. I was with Houston. When all that went down, it was like, surprised me. I don't know what happened when I left, but when <laughs> I was there, I thought it was like, they had the best duel, you know? The bumblebees, the three bumblebees, whatever right. they used to call, you know? So it was like, it was just weird when I saw all that and heard all that. So you went down to Texans and you played for Roe Bryant in, 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 in Texas. Now he, yeah. you know, there's some questions with him with receivers, with hot trading Hopkins and everything like that. <laughs> you know, Bill O'Brien, the type of guy, if you're not his guy, I don't think he really clicks with those guys. And, um, and I, I didn't I didn't understand that whole situation either. You know, I was there with them and I thought him and Hop had a good relationship. You know, Hop was one of the best players in the NFL. I don't care what nobody say. He's just naturally gifted. And when I watched him play, it was like, yeah, I, he's gonna be here for a long time. That's what I thought when I was at I was like, he's gonna be a Texan for a long time. Like and when I seen that trade and I seen the value of the trade they gave for him, I was like, this is gonna be the biggest mistake of the whole the whole team, the whole organization. This is one of the biggest mistakes. And guess what it ended up being? One of the biggest mistakes they ever made. And he lost his job. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just some things you can't, like common sense don't add up. Like that trade did not add up. Like what is going on? DeAndre Hopkins, the, one of the best receivers in the world, with a quarterback that got chemistry with this receiver. So let's go ahead and trade him. Don't make sense. I don't know. We're talking to Sammy Coates, uh, NFL wide receiver uh, for the Steelers and star, and star at Auburn. Um, so then, you know, I noticed that about, let's go back, jump back to Bill Bryan. When he came to Penn State, I'm a big Penn State fan, grew up watch following them. I mean, it was like, there were a lot of players on the team that had this reputation as being great players, and they just, they were gone, like, the next year. And, and, and it's like, they didn't know. I mean, they didn't know why they were gone. I mean, these, these aren't bad, play, bad, you know, they were, they were hard workers and everything, so. Yeah, he's a different guy. You got to understand him. You got to be around. I guess you got to just be around him long enough to understand him, I think. When I was there, you know, I felt like, it was like you have some beef, but you have no, like it was always up and down with him. And I think that was one of the problems that I think happened with him and Hop. Wow. And then last year, well, you had sort of part of your, it was exciting. You, you decided to go the XFL route and try that. And that's, you know, people were like, that league was catching on. I mean, people, a lot of my friends, I was watching some of the games. It seemed like it was gaining traction and then everything fell apart. That that league I thought would have did really really well if the coronavirus went ahead. When all that happened, I think it was on the truck. So we started started off with like thirty twenty twenty five thousand people in the stands. 
about midway through the season, we was adding up to like 45 to 60 people in the stands, 60,000 people in the stands. Like the games getting packed. Like fans know everything about you. They <laughs> like it was. It was start. Actually, it was. It was a lot funner than most most sports most sports teams I played with because it was like the players had a lot more say so in what was going on, and that's important in anything you do. If the players got some, the guys is actually going out there putting it on the line, got say so in something, it makes a big difference in how so successful something gonna be. Who was your quarterback in Houston? Um, I had PJ. Oh wow. Yep. He's with Carolina right now. <laughs> well, that was good. What about the rules? You know, different types of rules. Was that hard to get used to? Is it? Is it? What was it? One foot in and not two foot in? What was it for? Yeah, you get you get one foot in. It's okay. like the college. Um, the another rule you couldn't leave on a punt until the ball was punted. So that was pretty weird. Um, the kickoff was really weird. You started on like the, the I think the forty five, but but you five yards apart, oh, so wow. you can't leave until the returner catches the ball. So it was like, okay, you got to get used to this. It was different. <laughs> so, um, so what are you doing now? Like, so you had the you had the the time in the XFL. You're working out. You're in great shape. How do you get now, from your perspective? How do you get back into the league? You know, you just keep you keep pushing. You know, you don't give up. And the hardest thing about it, it's easy to give up. It's hard to keep fighting. And the reason why it's easy to give up because you know. I can just go do a normal thing. I can just go get me a normal job and just work and and just be normal. But that's the easy route. Um, for me, I think it's just challenging myself to keep fighting because I know what kind of player I'm capable to be. And once once I had this time off and I coached, I had went and coached at Jensen Beach High School, and I got around those kids. I was like, I really took my mind out of how much I love this sport because so much bad that happened to me in this sport. And I found that back and I got it back. I got my mentality back that. I could be great. And once I did that, I felt like I know now I just got to keep fighting. You saw from the high school kids. I mean, that's yeah. what people talk about. They're like, they, these kids aren't playing for the money, not playing, they just love playing football. You forget it sometimes, you, especially when you make it to that level. You know, it's so much play into that. It's a business. It's one of the, the, the cutthroat business in the world. And once you get there, you start thinking like that. Oh, this, I'm a cutthroat person. Then I humbled myself when I went to go coach these kids. And I see these kids out here giving it all. On, like they putting everything they got to win one high school game. And they crying after a game. Or they, this, this, like, this meant so much to them. Man, I lost big games, but I didn't cry. You know, like, and you find out, like, that was me. That was, that's how much I used to love this game. Then I let a few bad things happen to me. I let it take the love out of the game from me. Then I found that with just a little time off, a little time hanging around real football again. You know, what high school is, dumb kids going to give you all they got. They want to win, you know. And, and and sometimes you forget that, especially as you, the higher you go. Sometimes you forget how much you love it and why you do it. Wow. And then... So you're in great shape. So for next year coming up, you're gonna. I mean, this year was crazy with the coronavirus. I mean, it must have been hard even latching on a team because <laughs> you know everybody. They, they couldn't. Even, Denver couldn't even bring a quarterback in because they weren't allowed with with testing and everything yep. to bring it. So it must have been very. Someone like you who was like who was just in the league last year was probably difficult to jump back this year into a team because of all the restrictions for coronavirus. You know, I'm I'm always gonna be waiting. I'm always gonna be patient. I'm always gonna work. And what I gotta learn now is when I get that next opportunity, I can't let it slip through my fingers. And I think that was my biggest problem. You know, when I got traded to the Browns, I think I, I took it as a wrong way. I took it the wrong way. I took it as, like, nobody don't want me. Or I should have took it as I got another chance. And now that I had this time off and I got to really put my mind into what I love, I found that when I get that next chance, I don't care where it's at, who it's with, 
it ain't slipping through my hands. Oh, wow. I love that attitude. I love that attitude. We're, again, we're talking to Sammy Coates on Iron Sports 95.9, 106.9. Um, so talk about, well, I was going to talk about, about some of the games yesterday. It just, it was a weird day. A lot of blowouts, but uh, the Dolphins, I was at the Dolphins-Chiefs game. Uh, how about, I mean, they might have called you. They were losing every wide receiver in the game. I had like three wide receivers and a tight end go out. They, they really, it was, it was weird how the Dolphins, and one thing I don't understand about the Chiefs is they seem to let, they just seem to do enough to win they just don't want to blow they don't blow the teams out by like 30 points they just they do enough to win their games i'll tell you what if you don't learn if you don't slow down Mahomes and what he loved to do is play a passion game if you don't take the pat like his passing away you ain't gonna never beat the chiefs his arm is the reason why the chiefs are winning if you can find a way to stop his arm <laughs> you would beat the chief in which that's unstoppable you know so <laughs> you got one of the fastest kids in the world he throw to he can throw the ball up 50 yards down the field past him he's gonna go catch it so what you do with that I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell, but uh, Dolphins started off really good. They called a couple of pits on Patrick, um, which is never that's, that's you never happens to anybody. They called two, three, I think, and they had momentum, but it's like they never had enough momentum, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you gotta have. Once you get that momentum, you gotta take it to the Chiefs. You can't let up. You can't punt the ball back to Mahomes too many times. You gotta take advantage of those pick sixes. You gotta, you know what I mean? Like you gotta take advantage of pits and making them a touchdown instead of three points. And what about the uh, the Steelers game last night? I mean, I just, I just, I mean, talk about just a punch to the gut of a game. But it's weird how the Steelers are going to this offense. Now they're saying Ben's arm is shot. He's not throwing down the field. But you have all those good wide receivers, and it seems like that's what they've been doing the last few weeks in terms of, you know, the five-yard, seven-yard passes. But when you have third and four, and DeAndre Johnson doesn't catch the ball, then suddenly you have to punt the ball. You know, the Steelers are banged up. Just watch. I know them guys, you know, um, I've been around them. I can tell when they banged up and when they full speed. People, like, I guess how you put this, like, people don't understand. The Steelers won nine games in a row. Nine out of ten. That is unheard of nowadays to win that many games, especially in the NFL. They played shit out football. It was some ugly games. Yeah, that's that's NFL. You always going to have ugly games. But they won nine games in a row. And eventually – some stuff is going to start to leak in, like fatigue for playing for so long, you know, running a lot of routes. They, they, they've been running a lot of routes. Some guys scoring three to four touchdowns a game, five touchdowns. So it's going to catch up to you. Now it's about how can we get this rest? You, these guys young. They don't know about this season still got like four more games before the season over with before you get to the next, to, to the playoffs. So these guys are young. That fatigue catch up to these young guys. It did me like that. I was like, dang, that's a long season. It ain't like college. Play 12 games, you're done. You know, you're good, you're good. <laughs> and the NFL, after you get to 12, you still got three more games. You know, like you still got more games. Then you got the playoffs. And then let's talk about Tampa Bay a little bit because I've seen two of their games. I'm just so intrigued by the fact that you put Godwin and, and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown together with Tom Brady and Gronkowski. Now, these are the veteran guys that are playing, and this is taking them. It's. I mean, I'm still holding. I think Tampa's going to the Super Bowl. I'm on that bandwagon. I'm the only one, I think, on it, but I still think. But what do you see about what's going on with Tampa? Why haven't they just clicked just yet? And will they ever click? Yes. And when they click, it's going to be scary. The thing is... <laughs> You got a whole bunch of different athletes on one team. And you got to figure out how do we bounce this out to make it work. You try, you're going to try as much stuff you can because you got so much talent to do it with. You got a, a guy that can scratch the field. You got a tight end that can scratch the field. 
You got a receiver that can do anything you possibly want him to do. He can go catch punts if you want him to. Like, and you got Goodwin. Goodwin just an all-around receiver. Like He can run routes. He can do this. Then you got the number 10. He's going touchdowns 80 yards. I don't, like They got so much talent just trying to figure out the place to run with this talent. Takes time. You know, how are you going to get this timing down? You got these so many athletes, all of them different speeds. All of them run routes different. Tom Brady got a lot to pick through right here. If he throw an out to um, Grump, out, Grump going to be different than Mike Evans. You know, so trying to learn, fill these guys out, new guys, and Tom been with Grump for so long, whatever, but now you got a whole bunch of different craft of guys that you got to learn all over again. It's like he's this his first year with these new guys, and he's still winning. So imagine when they start getting on the same page with all this talent, who's going to beat them? <laughs> you ain't got enough guys. <laughs> well, I guess I guess the one of the one of the teams that is trying to beat him would be Green Bay. And with the idea is when you watch Devontae Adams and you're like, well, they really have one star wide receiver. Why is he catching ten balls, 180 yards? Like, can't these teams shut him down? And it seems like that's like you're just waiting for that to happen against the Packers. Well, they got so much chemistry, it doesn't matter what you do on defense. Like Adams and, and Rogers chemistry is unreal. You can watch and Rodgers is a good, great quarterback, you know. And when he stands up play, what that does to a DB, he lose track of Adams. That's why Adams will be off like that. And Rodgers get the ball in his hand fast. You can't do anything if he running a three-yard route and he throw a perfect timing ball and he catch and run. That's just chemistry, you know, a bubble. He throw a bubble. They can't put three guys to stop a bubble. You got to stay in, in your lanes. Mm-hmm. So they, they use him the right way. They move him around. You can't double-team every time because they put him in the middle. You double-team, you're going to lead the wide open outside. They got other players that's really good, but the only one that stand out is who? Adams, because he take advantage of every time the ball is in the way. It's his ball. It's, and that's why they, that chemistry like that. That's why you can't stop that. And one last team. I mean, we're intrigued by Seattle because for the last couple of years, Russell Wilson has just never been perfect, never thrown interceptions. And this year, suddenly he has these two great wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf, and he's throwing interceptions, throwing interceptions in end zones. Now they beat the Jets last, you know. But what what do you think? What do you think how they write the ship there in, in Seattle? But playing the Jets helps you write the ship. But they got to get their run game going back. When they run, they had a lot of injuries mm-hmm. in, the run, in the backfield. So once they get their run game going, that offense will become that offense they, was, they were like four or five games ago. The problem is the run game ain't going. So now they focusing more on Dunkley to stop the pass. So now everybody focusing on stopping the pass because the run game haven't been doing so good. Once they get their run game going, they're going to be the same team that, was, that started off the season. Wow. And to just jump here to, to college, we got Sammy Coates who um, we're, we're picking your brain. Yeah, this is great to get all this insight. I mean, the Florida game, LSU. Talk about it. LSU shows up to Florida, getting having one of the worst years you can imagine. Supposedly they had less than 50 players. By the players getting hurt in the game, they were almost playing walk-ons the whole time. How do they beat this Florida team? How do they stop Kyle Trask? And why was Kyle Trask trying to throw 50-yard bombs in the middle of a fog, you know, trying to do those things? You know, one thing about football is that you get comfortable. You get, you get that little thing about Florida had a little cockiness about them, and they forgot this is SEC. I don't care who's on the field, them guys in LSU wanted to win more than Florida did, and it showed up. Like, them guys was making plays. The pick they caught on the, on the sideline, I never seen a pick like that in my life. Like, the stuff they was doing was just like, it was all want to. And I don't think Florida was on the same level as LSU was that night. And I think it bit Florida in the butt because they came in thinking, we already won this game. And you can't do that in the SEC. I don't care how bad a team played on you. You can't come in and think, I already beat them. <laughs> and I think that's what Florida did.
And how does Alabama seem? I think they've won like 97 games against unranked teams. How does Alabama keep that edge that these other teams seem not to have, where they're just they're just a year in and year out, different players, they just have that edge and they, they blow these teams out, just not, not even close. You know, Alabama keep players to bag up their players. Like, they bench is good. That's what, like, um, like, they bring in guys, they tell them, hey, you ain't going to play this year. The first two years, you might not play. Them guys buy into that. Now in two years, them guys look like they've been playing for four years. Alabama good at having a backup plan, and most teams don't do that. They co- most coaches go in and coach for now. Nick Saban coached for the next three years. You know, he's going to bring two or three guys in that's five stars. One of them probably ain't going to play. Two of them might, but it depends. They're going to sit, 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 and when they get ready to play, they are ready because they've been practicing hard for two years, and when they get on that field, they're already a monster. They develop. They're huge. Like, he just do a great job developing players that's behind his starters, and when they get their chance, they go ball out. So what do you think for the if – it, if it ends up being Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and, and Alabama, do you think that Alabama's going to you know, uh, uh, have lead the SEC to another championship? Nobody can stop Alabama running game. That kid is a monster. And the way he's been running the ball, the way it's, it's been consistent. It ain't like it's, oh, it's a fluke. Oh, he had – they are consistent right now. They are about the only team I've seen that's been consistent every game. And the only team I think that could beat them is Clemson. Why is they not beating them? They, <laughs> like, they don't have enough depth to beat them. Mm-hmm. If, if they quarterback go down, they in trouble. Like, you know, it's like Alabama got depth. And it's hard to beat a team with that much depth. Like, they start a linebacker get hurt on Alabama, the next guy come in, I promise he's going to be just as good as that star linebacker. And that's the difference. Them, like you playing at Ohio State, they depth ain't the same as Alabama. You look on Alabama's sideline, half of them guys are like the starters. You know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's no comparing it. And they did a great job with it this year. I watched them play when they beat Auburn. I was like, that's another championship for Alabama. <laughs> well, it's hard when they when they put the reserves in and say they don't want to run the score up. They're just they're trying to run the ball up and run one play, and still uh, and they got they're running their back and running back was gaining like 10, 15 yeah. yards a carry. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, wow, it was great. Well, Sammy, I really, really appreciate you coming in and talking. This is great. And I, I just wish you the best luck. I mean, I, I think this would be great to see you back in the league next year and, uh, and just keep working, out, working hard, and, and we'll be rooting for you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep fighting and keep believing in myself. And hopefully it work out. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks again for coming on I Run Sports. I appreciate it. Thank you.